This morning, I don't necessarily have a message title, all right? Is that, I mean, don't y'all get tired of message titles anyway? I'm like, man, why does every message have to have a title? So the title of the message this morning is March 7th, 2021, okay? That's the title of the message, you know, write it down. There will ne- listen, there will never again be a title that, that's that, that's that, a message that has the same title as this one, right? Like a couple years from now, if I re-preach this message, I'm not going to put the same title. That would be, that would be strange. But uh, March 7th, 2021, it's, just, it's Communion Sunday. And man, I just, I felt like speaking from my heart, if that's okay. I mean, I have a few notes, but man, I really just, I mean, while we're in, and, and, and know this, while we were in worship, like messages start coming. It's like, man, I'm like, I mean, I was just, we were singing this song about the, the, the rock was moved away, you know. And, and man, God started reminding me, I'm going on a backpacking trip. And he's going to, you know, I'm going to be walking in the woods with like 40 pound pack on my back. Right. And, and I mean, that's not a big deal when you walk for like 20 minutes or but when you're walking for hours and hours and hours and days and up and down and this and that. And then that pack comes off like you almost float off the ground, you know. And I was just reminded in that song, I'm like, man, that's what happened to me whenever I got saved. It was like this weight just came off of me, you know. And, uh, and I was reminded of the stone that was rolled onto the tomb of Jesus. And how many of you know there's not a stone on this earth big enough that can contain the power and majesty of Jesus Christ? I mean, how many, there's not a stone big enough. There's a shame, that's, that stone of shame ain't big enough to keep Jesus out of your heart. Come on, that, that stone of, uh, of, of, of anger and bitterness and rage ain't, I mean, it's not big enough that Jesus can't move it. I mean, this is the power of the gospel. I'm like, God, am I going to preach that? He's like, no, just preach that later, you know. So don't tell God I told you all that. Or if I preach it in a few weeks, just forget I said anything about it, right? But I just really wanted to speak from the heart today because, uh, because man, I love you all. Can I just say that? And uh, I don't want to, I mean, I have some notes, but really it's just a matter of, man, Telling what God did in my life. You know, I mean, outside of, man, He saved me, He delivered me, He set me free, He did all those things. That's wonderful. But God's done some recent stuff too. You know, it's like, if, if the only testimony you have in Jesus is what He did when He set you free, we need to reevaluate some things. I mean, I have testimony like every couple of weeks. God's doing something. God did something this morning. That's a testimony of the power of God, right? So somebody, what's your testimony? Man, God is a supernatural provider. At the same time, we had another testimony this morning of God uh, completely healing someone in their, their physical body. And the doctor's being like, we don't know what happened, you know. So God's the healer. He's, the, he's powerful. He's a miracle worker. But the reason that this message is titled March 7th is because I was reminded as I was preparing for this message that March 10th, of 2018, me and Shannon were elected in as the officially as the pastors uh, here at First Assembly of God Church. And so, you know, on March 10th, it'll be our three-year anniversary. And I was like, man, it does not feel like three years. And at the same time, it feels like 300 years. You know, it's like the God, you know, to God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is that as a day. That's kind of like pastoral ministry. You know, it's like, man, every week seems like forever, and then it just goes like this, you know? 
But here we are three years later. So I just wanted to thank you for for supporting me and Shannon in this ministry. Thank you for supporting the work of the the church. Thank you for being our CEOs, those chief encouragement officers. Thank you for trusting us and for loving us and for for showing up on Sunday and and just showing your support. Thank you. Thank you so much. So for me and Shannon, we give y'all a round of applause. Thank y'all so much. I mean, I really do, really do love you guys and and appreciate it. And, and, And as I was having these thoughts, it reminded me of actually like our first Sunday. So on March the 10th, we had this, uh, it was a Saturday, and we had a business meeting because, you know, we're doing this whole transition thing, and, and uh, so we have a business meeting, we're elected in, and, uh, you know, so even David Clark, he's not here today, right now, he was here earlier in first service, but he, he was the official secretary of the board, and uh, so we did a, a secret ballot, and they have all these little ballots that say, you know, do you... Uh, vote to elect, you know, Reverend Joe Cormier and Shannon Cormier as the senior pastors at First Assembly or something to that degree, you know. And it had just like this little box, check yes or no, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so anyway, and, and I mean, I, they didn't let me vote and Shannon vote because so, it was a unanimous vote, which is cool because had it, we voted, it may not have been, I don't know. So, so every once in a while, David, he'll just kind of send us like one of these ballots, you know. Hey, there's another yes, you know. So every once in a while, man, maybe God's just reminding me, that might be one of y'all's yeses. So it's just this little encouraging thing, you know, because how many of you realize, man, life is hard. Ministry's hard. Life is hard. And you need to be encouraged every once in a while and uh, reminded that you were called by God. And, and I remember, so that was a Saturday. And then the next Sunday is March 11th. And... Uh, uh, Pastor Scott Holmes came in, and man, we had a powerful service, and it was awesome, and we did this whole, you know, mantle thing. And like, man, I wish, um, I wish I'd have thought to bring it up here, but I had this little, it's this little sash, you know, satin mantle that's embroidered, you know, Assemblies of God and something else on here, you know. And it was, you know, it was literally like a, a half a pound, you know. And, and I mean, I'm not kidding you. When, whenever Pastor Scott took... Pastor Tommy's mantle off. Mine was light. I was just holding, you know, I had my mantle. I was, I'm an ordained minister and I have my mantle. But Pastor Tommy had a mantle too, you know. And when he took that mantle off, Pastor Tommy kind of did that whole, you know, like when I take my backpack off after hiking. And, and he goes and he puts this, Pastor Tommy's mantle on me and it was like, you know, you start getting weak need, man. It's a powerful moment. And I remember that the, the weight of that day and what that felt like and, and all this transition that was taking place. And, you know, but, but what kept reminding me of, of that moment, and the reason I even showed up on that Sunday was because I knew that many of you would be here, uh, those of you who were here during that time. And, and that was such an encouragement. It brought so much peace to me and it brought a lot of comfort to me. And then a lot of praying in tongues got me here, you know, uh, up to that point. You know, and every Sunday... It's been just, man, praying in the Spirit and believing God and knowing that y'all are here. We're in this together. Come on, somebody say amen. And, uh, and I remember, though, the very first Sunday, that, that Sunday, March the 11th, 2018, and um, I haven't even preached a service yet. I mean, I'm just, I'm just this, this, you know, and still am, this, you know, this, this inexperienced preacher, this pastor that's just, man, 
really just relying on the Spirit of God. And, and I show up that Sunday knowing that, hey, I'm the pastor now, you know. And that, I was like, I felt the weight of that. It was incredible. And, uh, and, and worship was going on, and there was something happening. I needed to go in the sound booth. And I remember during worship, I walked back behind the sound booth, and it was in that moment, like I got arrested by God. I can't really explain it, but, but I'm, I'm walking, you know, worship's happening. It's amazing, awesome. And I mean, all my family's here, and there's all kinds of stuff. And I walked back there, and it was like, man, boom. God just said, Joe. This is a traditional church. And I mean, I knew it was like the voice of the Lord. I, I know that may sound crazy. It wasn't like an audible voice or anything, but there's enough of you who are Christians been saved long enough to know, you know when God speaks to you. Okay. And it was like, and I'm like, God, that's great to know that this is a traditional church, but listen, I'm the pastor now. I ain't got time to really talk to you. I got to get back to worship. And, and it was like, no, sit down. So that's exactly what I did. They had a chair kind of in the back. And, and just during worship, I, uh, I just sat there. And God just began to, to speak to me some things. I said, Lord, what does that mean? Like we're a traditional church. He said, listen. He said, You're, this is a traditional church. Not built on the traditions of men, but on the traditions of God. You know? I mean, how many of you know God has traditions? I, I mean, I don't know how to really how to reconcile that intellectually. But I knew that, that God had a pattern. He has a process that He likes to use. So I'm like, okay, God, what does that really mean? He said, this is a, a Spirit-filled church. And then it was like, I mean, I, I, again, for the sake of not sounding totally insane, and I'm not insane. Dr. Lynn Aurich is a clinical neuropsychologist. He's an elder at my church. And, a, you know, and me and him talk a lot. If I was crazy, he would say something. That or he's crazy too, and we're just in this really weird game we play together. So, but he's not here to defend himself. So I'm going to go with the he's sane and so am I argument. But I had like a vision. of It was like a vision. I was sitting there and I was in prayer. I had my eyes closed and it was just maybe this, this internal vision. And, and God like showed me a group of people all sitting in a room. And it was like I can sense the fear, the anxiety, and the excitement all at the same time. And there was like about 120 of them, right? And it was about like 2,000 years ago. And they were praying in one accord, in one mind. And it was like in this moment, their lives changed forever. And, and many of you know that it was like the day of Pentecost. I had this vision. God saying, this is my tradition, if the tradition of God is pouring out His Spirit upon flesh, that they can be renewed and empowered to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. And I saw these people rising up in a moment as they began to pray. I can hear the sound of the rushing wind. I can see the, the flames uh, of fire upon their heads. And they begin to speak and be emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they went out, it's like the next scene, they went out and, and they began to preach the gospel in the streets and Peter was there and, and I can see him preaching and, and, and just declaring the truth of God and people were falling on their knees, repenting. And it was on that day, we know 3,000 were saved and they were baptized and they become part of the community of saints that we call the church today. 
Man, it's like the very next moment I saw the, these, these apostles and these prophets and they were going from, from house to house and village to village and they were bringing the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere that they went. And it was like, man, this is the traditions of God in the church is to, that the church is a vessel for the Holy Spirit that brings transformation in the communities with which it exists. And then, I, then I fast forward, I saw, I saw like, you know, Roman soldiers. And then I saw, I mean, then it kind of got, you know, real fast. And, I, and it comes all the way to, to the revivals of the 16 and 1700s and the 1800s, the first great awakening and the Cane Ridge revival. And I saw in my vision men standing on stumps and they were preaching the gospel. And there was multiple men standing on multiple stumps because back then they didn't have PA systems. And it was like they were all, and in my vision, they were, they, like, I started off with one guy, and he was preaching, for God so. And it's like, I'd go to this other guy over here, and he's preaching up on a stump. And he's loved the world. And it was like, although they were all separate and disconnected, they were all preaching the same message. And I saw people being slain in the Spirit under the power of God. I've seen lives be transformed, marriages being restored, that, that drug addiction, alcohol addiction, shame and hurt and pain falling off of people. And then in that moment, it got fast-forwarded to, this, to these tents, these huge mega tents, man. They were big. And there'd be thousands of people coming into a tent to hear the, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was like, man, you had these, these guys like William Wormbrand, uh, not William Wormbrand, uh, William Branham and, and, and guys like, uh, like Jack Coe, and they would preach the power of the gospel unto salvation. And they would lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. And I saw ambulances driving people to these tents and dropping the sick off there so that way they can be healed. Because the, man, the Holy Spirit could do a better job than the hospital. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying don't go to the hospital, but pray too. I'd like to say pray first, but at least pray too. And then I saw, man, it was just, it was the power of the gospel. Then it was like, man, I saw uh, Pastor King in 1952 sitting in a living room being the first full gospel Pentecostal church being planted here in Lafayette, August 25th, 1952. And 2022, August 25th, will be our 70th year anniversary. 70 years of Pentecost, man. And we, we just recently lost a dear brother and friend in the Lord, Brother Fred, Ho Fred Rhodes. He was one of the first guys that came with Pastor King to the church, to plant the church. He's 12 years old, came with his missionary mother to plant First Assembly of God Church in a little town of Lafayette, I mean, think about this. They, they built the first church. It was, it was in a living room, and you can read all the history of that. And they, they did, you know, small group type church plant thing. The, the group grew too big, so Pastor King rented a bigger house. It grew too big, and then uh, Brother Danny LaFleur's family had donated some property. They put a tent on there, and they met in a tent for several, several months, and then they finally built a building, and then they built a church out on South College Drive, and I mean, think about this. South College at that time was a gravel road. I mean, this is it. This is the history and heritage here. And it was like God was showing me all that. Like the power of the church or the traditions of the church aren't our programs, our structures, our ecumenical societies. It, it, it's not in our, our ministry connections. It's not in our affiliations. It's not. I mean, I have a card that says Assembly of God ordained minister. But man, 
if I don't have the power of God living inside my heart, it doesn't matter what I carry in my pocket. Maybe I'm going to just say that just one more time. If I don't have the power of God living in my heart, it doesn't matter what I, what, what I carry in my pocket. And that can be an ordained minister card, that can be a credit card, that can be cash, that can be a union association, that can be, you know, pick your, pick your thing there. So anyway, so, so in this vision, I'm sitting there, man, and just boom, boom, boom. And, and, and it was just like, and then it brought me to like, back to this moment, to that moment that we were in. And, and it was like, all I really had to do was open my eyes because we were there and I looked and I can see the people in this church and we were still in worship and they had their hands raised, worshiping the one true God. And he's like, Joe, your job is simply this, to carry the traditions of God into the future. You don't have to build the church. You don't have to start a new program. You don't have to have a small group association. I don't care what color the building is. I don't care how many people fit in the parking lot. I don't care about any of that stuff. All you need to do is carry the mantle that's fixing to come upon you to this next generation. Carry the power of Pentecost from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. I mean, and then I got this other part of it. I saw uh, uh, this guy running with a torch. Friends, we can't let the torch, the flame on the torch go out. God showed me that day that the strength in the church is in the traditions of God. That we need to be a spirit-filled church. I mean, so, you know, we can have arguments on and conversations and discussions and peer reviews. And we can, you know, how many friends we have on, on this social media site? And how many of you like what I preach, don't like what I preach, like our work? None of that really is important. The mandate of the church is that the spirit of the God, a spirit of God lives in the church. And, and not just so that way we can be a tongue-talking expression of God in our community. Come on. We need to be the very vessel of the Holy Spirit into our families, into our businesses, into our communities. We're a spirit-filled church. I mean, this is what God had showed me. Amen. Like I said, we can do all those, those studies and reviews, but when you have a word from the Lord, man, let me tell you, somebody wants to say, Joe, it's probably better that we don't pray in tongues in the church. It's probably better that we don't have tongues and interpretations. It's probably better that we don't have altar calls. It's probably better that people aren't slain in the Spirit. It's probably better you know, that we don't declare people healed in Jesus' name. It's probably better that we don't run around the sanctuary and worship. Those things are probably better. Well, they're not better for this place. They may be better for some other clubs, but they're not better for the church. The power of God is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God had showed me that day, that we need to be a Spirit-filled church. It's the, it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Man, I'll... I'll he showed me this. He, said, he also showed me this. He said, Joe, you know, you, we also need to be a Christ-centered church. 
He said to me in that moment, he said, where, where I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Like, where, just lift up the name of Jesus. You know, it, we don't have to bring in guest speakers or guest worship leaders. You know, we don't have, just lift up the name of Jesus and I will draw all men to my, to, he will draw all men here. Man, I, I'll never forget, I was pastoring for like a month, solid, you know. Pastor Marshall, I had preached like seven sun, I mean, four Sundays in a row. I had it all together. And there was this friend of mine who was pastoring in the community. He said, hey, Pastor Joe, I want to invite you to a church growth conference. I'm like, oh, I really need to go to that. That's wonderful. He says, no, no, no. I want you to speak at it. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, bro, like I've been pastoring a month. I said, well, you know, because I'm a great man of faith. I said, well, who else is going to be there? Because I'm really trying to make a decision now, you know. Because at least if there's somebody else there that knows what they're doing, I'll glean a little bit off of it, and then I'll just pray or something, you know. So he told me. I agreed. I was just, hey, I'm being faithful. And and it was a a church, and we were there, and I was listening to all these other guys talking about church growth. And, I mean, it was powerful. There were some great suggestions there, you know. And uh, one of the, you know, I mean, they were talking about different programs and different systems and different things we can do to create community and small groups and blah, 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 blah. So I'm I'm taking notes. It was really good stuff. I'm not trying to diminish what they said. And then they had like 10 minutes. We were breaking for lunch at at, at 12. And then after that, it was just, you know, they were were kind of moving on. So they said, so they had like 10 minutes left to, to share basically everything I know about church growth. And, uh, and, and essentially, I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I need 10 minutes. So all I did, I mean, I'm just like, man, what is the greatest strategy for church growth? All I did was turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. It says on that day they, that the apostles, they prayed, they come into a, a room in one accord and, and with one voice, and, and God began to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And their lives were changed forever. And it says, on that day, 3,000 were added to their number. I mean, can you imagine church growth where the church grew 3,000 a day? Man, I don't know if we can build buildings that fast, Rocky. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if y'all can handle that kind of church growth. We have to go back to tents. And I was like, man, you know. I said, so, and then I kind of left it at that point. I'm like, well, I don't even know if this really works, all I know, this is just the biblical model. That's all I have, right? So, but I'll, I'll, you know, after I'm pastoring for a little while, I'll let y'all know how that goes. They took notes. That we need to be a spirit-filled church, a Christ-centered church, a life-giving church. And, and this is kind of the mandate, the vision that God had given me for us. And, I mean, we've just been, been carrying that mantle ever since. And, 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 and how many of you uh, ever get to the point where good things happen, bad things happen, right? I mean, this is kind of what we call life. It's like sometimes things working in your favor, sometimes things aren't working in your favor. But how many of you realize that no matter how things are going, that we always need to learn to rest in the Lord? We can get just as distracted when great things are happening as we will when bad things are happening. And, and I remember just, just coming into the being a pa- brand new pastors of a church and and uh, that first, the next Sunday, so the first Sunday, the March the 11th, I was here and had the vision and God gave me some direction. And man, I, I'm convinced of one thing, though, and this is just evidence to it. Many people, I believe that anybody can hear for the vision of the church. I mean, God can speak to any of us. He can speak to anyone, right? And I, I mean, I believe that with all my heart. 
But when it comes to the vision and the direction of the church, I mean, typically, if God really wants to change something in the church, you know who he's probably going to want to go talk to? The, the pastor. And, and I realized, like, man, as like on day one, it's like this whole new revelation began to unfold before me. God really began to speak to me in some specific ways. And it was all good on that first Sunday because Pastor Scott was here, Pastor Tommy was here. We had the worship team. I had my dad and mom and this and that. All I mean, just people everywhere. Then, then we have to come in, JP, like the next week, right? It's like they're gone, and you know who's left? I mean, y'all are here. It's just us and Pastor Joe. And I'm like, man, what in the world am I going to preach? Because y'all really expect me to say something. It's not like, you know, you get to church and we just kumbaya for a little while and we go home, right? Barbecue. I mean, that's great, but like you have it like... I started to feel this weight of what am I going to say? I mean, this was before COVID and, and, and mask ordinances and racism and, and election fraud. and I mean, you know, it's hard enough to speak to those issues, but man, there wasn't even really, I mean, you know, politically and socially and world, I mean, it's pretty quiet. You know, it was a pretty, pretty nice little season to come into as a pastor. But I was like, man, what am I going to say? How am I going to address, what am I going to do? I started getting all anxious and God just spoke a simple word to me. He said, Joe, just breathe. You see, I came to this realization that this church is not about me. I mean, just the other day I was talking to someone, this you know, some people say, hey, I'm going to go to your church. I'm like, I don't have a church. I don't, I mean, where's my church? I don't, if, as soon as this becomes my church, we got problems. Huge ones, right? Y'all leave, okay? As soon as you start hearing me saying stuff like, this is my church, well, just leave. Go find Jesus' church and go there, okay? But it was like, man, I, I just... I realize it's not about me, but it's about the Spirit of the living God breathing life into me, and, and then God using me as a vessel to breathe life into you, and then God using you as a vessel to breathe life into the community. That the church isn't about the message. It's not about the worship. The church is about the Spirit of the living God breathing life into its community. I hope that makes sense, somebody. And God kind of reminded me of that this week. Man, we've been, I mean... Three years been pastoring this church, and it's a, and great thing. Man, we've seen great things take place. I mean, we've seen God do some wonderful, awesome, amazing things, and and we celebrate that. But sometimes, uh, you know, we need to take a step back and realize, you know, not only who we are, but we need to realize whose we are, right? Because even in the midst of God doing awesome things, we need to not forget whose we are. And, and then you fast forward a couple years, you know, we're we're pastoring a year, you know. A year or so, and then, man, we get hit with this, this news of just some really difficult church transitions going on. I'm just going to be kind about it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we all have to deal with the grief of that. I mean, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, man, change and transition is hard, period. And I remember that, man, many people started coming, and they're suffering, and they're they're doing that, and me and Shannon would spend hours and hours and hours praying for each and every person that came through the doors of this church. We had people that were coming in, I mean, from all walks of life, from all, I mean, this is what the church is. It's a, it's a hospital for the hurting, right? It's a supper table for the saint. It's a, it's a lighthouse for the lost. 
I mean, this is the church. So we were just trying to be the church. And then I come to this realization that really, no matter how much I wanted to just say the exact right words, there was nothing that I can say that would bring any comfort and peace. Nothing. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like helping someone who's just lost a loved one. There's no magic words. Uh, Daryl and, and Patrick, are there any magic words that you can make somebody feel better? No. There's nothing I could say. I just would begin to pray. And me and Shannon would begin to pray. And, and, and my prayer was simple. It's just, Lord, you help these people because I can't. You, you comfort them because I can't. You bring, I mean, this is just what it was. And then, and then you, I mean, just, it was like back to back. Things are, are, are we have this, I mean, can you, it was a year ago today, just about, almost exactly, that we were, you know, I, I'm trying to make decisions. Okay, well, I think we're going to need to shut the church down next week. You know, I mean, this was, this was a year ago, almost to the day. That we were like, hey, we're shutting the church down. We're gonna go online, and then I gotta feel like I'm, I gotta like, you know, be excited about it, right? Praise the Lord! We get to have church at home. This is gonna be awesome. Are y'all ready, God? This is the answer to prayer, you know? Man, <laughs> wow. We got through it. I mean, you know, but but I mean, it was like decision after decision after decision, and then. I mean, then you throw in social issue after social issue after social issue. Then you throw in sickness after sickness and death after death and this and that and everything going on. There's no shortage of controversy. And I mean, it's just, it's a crazy season, you know, and I'm just like, man, here I am. And it's just, I was in prayer. God reminded me. He's like, hey, Joe. I mean, it's, you know what? Believe it or not, when I was walking behind that, that sound booth three years ago, I think my heart was maybe just a little bit more tender to the voice of the Lord because he's like, hey, Joe, this is a traditional church. And, and, but now it's like, hey, Joe! Hey, Joe! Take a breath! It's not the end of the world yet, but it's getting close. Just saying. <laughs> hey, if you don't believe, it's one day closer than it was yesterday, okay? But it's like he spoke this word. He says, I haven't forgotten about you. And I'm like, man, whew, peace of God. Thank you, Jesus. And I feel like that's not just a word for me, but that's for a word for all of us. I mean, that's my message today. March 7th, 2021, subtitled, God Hasn't Forgotten About You. You know, it's the same message, March 8th, 2021. God still hasn't forgotten about you. March 9th, March 10th, every day. My sister Diane prayed, His mercies are new every morning. The Lord is our strength. He's our support. Sometimes we just need to take a step back. Say, ah. I'm taking a step back from the controversies. I'm not giving up the battle. But this is what, this is what the, the family of God is all about. And actually, this is, this, is a, this is actually the beginning of, a, I guess, a series of messages. But I, I think we need to not forget about what God's done for us. And, and, and we need to not just get so, be so focused 
on the things around us, that we lose sight of what's happening within us. That God has still said, He says, be holy for I am holy. How do we really walk that? How do I walk out holiness in a world that's so, you know? Well, I think, I think actually God has given us three specific ways that we can be holy for I am holy. He's given us, he's given us some, some instruments, I guess you can say, some tools. You know, and, and, and one of them we're going to partake of today, holy communion. You know, that, that, that no matter what goes on around us, no matter what battles we're in, no matter what controversy, no matter what victories that we have, I mean, we can get so victory-focused, so success-focused, so, so next-level-focused that we just lose focus altogether. I've been there. And, and it's just like, man, these are these moments where we can say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back this, this is Sunday morning, and I'm going to say, Lord, I just want to commune with You. And I want to commune with the body of believers. It's holy communion. This is, so holiness is simply, it's, it's something that is set apart. Holiness is, is, doesn't mean holiness is God or anything. Holiness mean, means it's set apart for a specific purpose. For a specific time. You know, in the Old Testament, they had instruments of worship that were in the tabernacle that were only meant for worship, right? It, it, it would be like, this piano isn't holy as an example. But at the same time, if, if you started coming in here, and if I can play a ZZ Top song or something, I would. But if you, if you come in here and started playing some like unholy music, I might have a problem with that. You know what I mean? I might say, hey, could you just not play that on our piano? Because this piano is kind of set apart. It's, it's, I mean, we never anointed it specifically or did anything, but it's, only, it's really for God's worship. You know, this piano, now I could play some ZZ Top on that. I won't. But it's like, man, that's, that's like the Lord's guitar. I'm not going to just use it for other stuff. Shannon, don't. It's not a Nacho Libre joke. This isn't the time. I know. Huh, I know. But it's, this is the Lord's guitar. It's just for Him. It's, just, it's separated. It's set apart. It's sanctified, right? It's, it's holy, in essence. Right? It's holy. And in the same way, Peter's saying, be holy in 1 Peter, if you want to look it up, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy, that we need to, we need to say, you know what? I, I'm, I may be in this world, but I'm not of this world. I, I may be here, but I'm set apart. I'm sanctified. I'm, I am a, a, an instrument of the Holy Spirit in my community, in my family, in my business, in my thought life, you know, in my worship. I'm going to set apart, you know, maybe, maybe 10 minutes a day, no distractions, no, I'm just going to, it's a holy moment, holy 10 minutes, a holy hour, holy communion. It's a time where we come together. This is even illustrated in the book of Leviticus. It's a, it's a holy convocation, a holy assembly. When we gather together here, it's not for us to do business. It's not for us to find boyfriends and girlfriends, although that happens. But the purpose of us gathering together is not to hear me preach. Ew. It's not to, I mean, I love worship and dance, but all that's, but it's to worship the one true God. That's the only reason we're here. This is a holy moment, a holy moment. 
want to talk about. We're going to have Holy Communion. You know, it's a time of separating ourselves, separating our appetite, separating our, our, our desires unto the Lord. And I mean, there's some clear instructions there. I want to talk about holy, the Holy Bible, Holy Scripture, maybe next week. If you don't believe that the Bible's holy, you can just look right here. It says it right there. Holy Bible. Unless it's one of those message versions, then it may not be. I don't know. Y'all like my jokes, huh? And we could talk about trans, translations versus transliterations maybe another day. Maybe when we talk about the Holy Bible, we'll talk about that. But the Bible is holy, you know? Well, how many of you realize, man, the Bible is, it, it says in the Word that it's profitable for doctrine and profitable for correction and reproof and, and for teaching. It's profitable. It also says that, the, that the, the Bible is holy. It says holy scriptures, right? It also says that the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. So, in, in essence, handle with care. Because that same Bible, that same sword that can bring life to the believer can bring death to the unbeliever. We need to make sure that we're keeping the Word holy. God revealed Himself in His Word. And He sent it so that way we can be holy, for He is holy. It's meant to clean, not to kill. The Bible is meant to clean and not to kill. And then I want to talk about, in the next couple of weeks, the Holy Spirit. I mean, how many of you know that, man, we need the Holy Spirit living in us? I mean, this is what the Bible says. So you've got to have this understanding. See, it's important that we know the Bible's holy, the Bible's infallible. It's in fact, it's the first, one of the first fundamental truths of the assemblies of God that, you know, the Bible, it's the infallible Word of God. It's God breathed, right? So the Bible says that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and man, we need to keep that place holy. We need to keep that place set apart. We need to keep that place sanctified for His purposes. It, it, it's the same way I can use this guitar to play music, and it's wonderful and beautiful, but I can use it for a purpose that it's not meant for, and it, it'll destroy the guitar. I mean, I remember when I was uh, learning auto mechanics and things like that, my, I, you know, Sometimes you use tools for their not intended purpose. I mean, I can use a crescent wrench for a hammer, but it risks damaging the crescent wrench, right? See, God has created us for a purpose. And, and, and that purpose is to be a, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to use our bodies for things that are outside of their intended purpose, how many of you realize that it can cause permanent damage? And then it becomes no longer usable for its intended purpose. I have crescent wrenches in my... They don't, they don't crescent no more. So they're full-time hammers now. But in this moment, I, I just want to just, just take a breath, take a step back. You know, in, this, in, this, in this, this society of chaos, and be reminded that God hasn't forgotten us. God has not forgotten us. I want you to have five pages of notes. I mean, I didn't get to any of it. It's okay. I just wanted to speak from my heart. Is that okay that I do that every now and again? Golly, man. I hope, I mean, I love preaching the Bible. I mean, and this is in the Bible. But it's just really about us, just taking a step back. Say, man, 
we're the body of Christ, you know. And uh, we need to not forget that because he hasn't. We need to be holy because he is holy. And one of the ways we can do that is through holy communion. And that's exactly what I want to do. Can I have the, the worship team here come up? I want to look in, uh, and, and actually the guys who are going to serve communion, the ushers, would you come forward and just uh, prepare to serve communion here this morning? Uh, if you would, what we do is just come on up and then just kind of get, get ready to serve. But don't start serving yet. Hey, Caleb, how you doing, man? Thank you, guys. You see, communion, although it's just a, cracker and some grape juice. It's holy because it's set apart for a specific purpose. And I want to just, I want to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. You see, we're doing this together. This is a holy moment. So it says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. See, communion is an opportunity for, it's an opportunity to, to, for repentance. It's an opportunity for self-examination. So in here just a moment, I'm going to ask our, our ushers to distribute communion. I would ask that you just hang on to those elements until we, so we can all partake together. But what I want to do is as they're, as they're passing out the elements, would you just take a moment and look inward? Say, if there's, Lord, if there's any sin within my heart, would you reveal it to me? And then take this as a moment of active repentance by saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I repent. Heal my heart. Change me. Make me new again, again. This is the power of communion. It's holy. And we do it together, we have as a body of believers.